It is Monday, November 14th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 10 Recap Pod. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. And with me again is my Deutsch friend, Adam Krautvest. And we start this, this one in the motherland, Adam. Buccaneers like. 21, Seahawks 16. A run-heavy Bucks offense for this one. We had Rashad White start this game. You know, quickly turned back to more normal. Leonard Fournette pulled ahead of him by halftime. But then we had a hip injury for Leonard Fournette later on. So it might be Rashad White time going forward. Yeah, what, is a, what does a hip injury even feel like? Like, I'm 38 at this point. I feel like I've probably had every... What does a healthy hip feel like? But a, <laughs> what does a hip feel like? I don't know. Like, I just... Uh, but they seem like a hip injury ended. I mean, granted, it was a hundred years ago, but hip injury ended Bo Jackson's career. Like, how does I don't even know what a hip injury would even feel like? But uh, Fournette didn't, you know, he didn't look. I think he on his touchdown run, he kind of was like gingerly getting in the end zone. And he looked kind of funny. I'm like, I wonder what that is. And then it comes out, it's a hip injury. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would he, imagine that it's a little bit rough on your hips to go up to 300 pounds in the off season and then get back down to 240 in the regular season. Yeah, though. I I just stay at 240. That's how I <laughs> that's how I deal with that. But um, but yeah, Rashad White, he hasn't really, you know, he scored. He he didn't score. Lenny scored, but he had over 100 yards rushing. Um, he looked p- pretty good. He hasn't. He really hasn't outplayed Lenny as far as like efficiency th- th- this year. So there, you know, it was more of us fantasy guys wanting to see Rashad White in there um but they might get a chance now although tampa goes into the bye but um you know he, there was a play where he had a wide uh, rashad white had a wide open lane and he he kind of like stutter steps off to the left and then it was like oh shoot there's a there's a big lane in front of me so um he he didn't look that good but over, over 100 yards he got a, he got a ton, ton of work um but yeah m- moving forward he's probably going to be a, a high-end rb2 if uh if, if lenny's out for any period of time yeah, we'll see how long he's out for. It's certainly a well-timed buy for his purposes. Um, so we'll see coming out of that if he's going to miss any further time. But White, you know, showed off some of the speed. Probably would have had even more if they weren't um, nursing lead at the end. The other thing is I don't think that we'll get commonly as run-leaning a Bucks offense as we right. did when it was the first time since week one that they were anything close to that. So I don't know what it was about the matchup. Maybe it was game flow, whatever. They did jump out to a lead in the first half of that one. So maybe that helped it. So we'll see. On the passing side, Chris Godwin finally did score, so we know that yes. he knows where the end zone is, so that's nice. <laughs> um, and, and really, there's not a whole lot else to talk about from this one, I don't think, because uh, even though the Seahawks had a bad first half, they rebounded and had a fine second half. I don't think there's really much of a takeaway from their side. Yeah, so I think Tampa ran forty uh, through 46% of the time, so yeah, they're not probably not going to be running that much. They haven't played with many leads this year and probably won't, but they look much better um much better when they're when they're balanced kind of like a lot of the teams this year but yeah seattle they allowed it to do with this seattle opened up with six straight punts t- to start the game you know so which they haven't done uh, i think with some stat to back to th- three or four years ago but um but yeah so C- seattle got going again in the second half like you said there's not much to take away gino was qb9 uh on the week which is a little disappointing considering all the injuries we had to quarterbacks in the bye weeks but there were six quarterbacks that scored 19 points this week so he was one of those six that finished between 19.1 uh just under 20 points so he was fine uh scored two touchdowns there Lockett and vk kind of did did their thing um and kenneth walker saved his day uh can you believe we're saying this kenneth walker saved his day with six catches I thought that guy couldn't catch. I'm going to make that. I'm going to say that every single week. And we thought, although he did, he, he did drop one. He did drop one ball, but uh, he looks, it's nice. It's really nice when you have a running back that relies on 
rushing yards and touchdowns to be able to save his day in the passing game. Uh, he's seeing a lot of the pass down work, which, which is really good. Yeah, a garbage rushing day for him, but I think Tampa Bay is capable of that at times, so we're not sure. going to worry just yet. And a buy for them as well, so we'll see uh, come out of the Week 11 buy. Certainly still starting Kenneth Walker, and like you said, it's nice that if he can't get it going on the ground, he, he is capable of catching six balls for 55 yards in a given game. I was certainly happy that Geno Smith got there eventually because I took his over one and a half touchdowns on sleeper and the way the first half ended i was like oh crap but <laughs> gonna be a sweat nice and all in the fourth quarter too and i mean that marquise goodwin touchdown catch at the end I, that was a very nice throw and an even nicer catch so it was yeah i, I felt smiled upon <laughs> The second game is going to end the smiling because it was Vikings 33 bills 30 in overtime. And let's start on the positive because to me, Adam, Justin Jefferson is one of those guys that if you're talking to somebody who's going to watch the game with you, doesn't know football that well, you're like, Justin Jefferson, he's really good. And then you watch the game and you're like, oh my God, he's so good. Like, what a game for Justin Jefferson here. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and, and this is why I started playing fantasy football was because of this type of game when I was, when I was a child, just watching the Bills lose and watching other players do really, do really, really well. So, Justin Jefferson, thank you for taking me back to why I fell in love with fantasy football. But yeah, it's just, he was he was there when they needed him every play, acrobatic catches, you know, timing, I mean, you know, all over the whatever. You don't have to say much about Justin Jefferson. The guy's just he's been so good and he's tied to Stefan Diggs, you know, the rest of Diggs' career because of that trade that they made to get Diggs. And um Jefferson's the man. Mm-hmm. Um, another generous day for the Bills run D. I mean, uh, not necessarily getting run over. Most of Dalvin Cook's production came on an 81 yard touchdown run, but it is three straight games where they let the opposing running backs do some scoring. Two interceptions helped that defense because really overall they weren't stopping Minnesota a whole lot on offense. Yeah, you know, I mean, Minnesota scored 26 offensive points and that includes overtime. You know, um, the Bills offense had a bunch of turnovers, which gave the ball back to, to Minnesota. And and I've been saying this probably all year. That it's it's a JV defense. You have three first-team All-Pros in the secondary that have played like a combined five games. Um, and you've got – you lost Tremaine Edmonds – in the, in the first quarter of that game uh, against, against the Vikings. So, you know, they were playing without Greg Russo. I mean, there's a reason why the bills are still the favorite to, to, to win the Super Bowl this year on, for Vegas is because they know all those, all these guys are going to be cu- coming back. But as far as this game was, was concerned, you know, Delvin cook, it's nice to see him, him get going with an 80 yard touchdown. The Vikings kind of did what they wanted to, to do, um, which was not get the ball to Adam Thielen. I think he's, he's the odd man out, um, you know, with 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 Hawkinson there, um, you know, even Osborne saw nine, nine targets. So um, we'll see moving forward. But I think Thielen might uh, might might be the admin. You're you're not dropping him, but I don't think he's like must start wide receiver three on it anymore. Yeah, I agree. Somebody on your bench for right now on the Buffalo side, Josh Allen. We were watching all morning leading up to game time to see if he was going to play. He did play. It was clearly not full strength. Like I just thought watching him, you could tell it wasn't the same arm as usual. It didn't change his approach. He was certainly taking the shots and making the runs that he usually does. So I think we go ahead and use him. It clearly wasn't his sharpest game. I'm not sure that the elbow is significantly, certainly not mostly to blame for the interceptions. He would just seem to be pressing and made a couple bad decisions. 
So yeah, that's kind of been him. The, the, uh, every time that they lose, it's him pressing and making dead, bad decisions. And unfortunately, it's always in one score games. I think he's 0-4 in overtime now uh, for his career. But they either win by 20 or they lose by a point or two. So, I mean, yeah, he's still, he still got there past year. You know, uh, quarterback six on, on the week. I mean, that's going to be his low. Um, you know, 84 rushing yards, 330 passing yards. I mean, fantasy-wise, he's going to be fine every single Every single week, but yeah, it looks like he's he's he's, he's pressing. Um, you know, through throws an interception, a bad one on fourth and two from I think the five or something. Like he didn't even need to throw it in the end zone. Not that there was anything there. He couldn't have run it. He could. There's nobody open. So, but uh, but yeah, still still a bad a bad pick there. And yeah, a lot of it comes when he's pressing and, and end of the game. You know, he didn't take the check down to Singletary. You know, I'm glad that they have all these pass catching running backs because they never ever throw them the ball. In fact, they activated four running backs and a fullback so that they could give them a combined three targets on, <laughs> on, on the game. Good thing they went out and traded for Naheem Hines so uh-huh. that he could touch the ball one time and then they could activate Duke Johnson. Like, it's just none of it makes sense. Um, but Allen Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Singletary still all got there on that on the stat sheet. Yeah, I guess there are worse things than trading a sixth round pick for a punt returner. Huh? Sure. <laughs> Devin Singletary dominated backfield work. As you mentioned, we barely saw Naheem Hines and Singletary scored twice in this game. I didn't even know that was still possible. Well, it was his first two rushing touchdowns of the year. And I had a feel like we were talking about it, uh, Mike and I, on the the Deep End podcast last week. I thought this might be a Singletary game specifically because I didn't think Allen was going to play, but also the weather. And even if Allen did play with the elbow and they came out and they were running the ball, great Singletary. We had his best run ever as a, as a bill yesterday, early in the game, made, made three or four guys miss um, sc- scores twice. You know, uh, the, should have maybe should have been James Cook's touchdown there. I, I thought he was in, but they ruled him a half yard short and Singletary came in and got, got the score. But, you know, from, from a fantasy perspective, the bills, main skill main skill guys are generally going to get there every, every single week and that's that, that that's what we're here for mm-hmm. um I, I don't have anything else from that game what about you yeah just uh isaiah mckenzie took is is still locked into that slot receiver role if it means anything um 81 routes uh out of the slot so uh you know he hasn't he's more of a gadgety guy they're not really uh dialing anything up for him but at least he's out there yeah at least he's out there. At least um, he's out there. Leo Shakir. <laughs> Lions 31, Bears 30. DeAndre Swift might have been pissed last week about his usage. He's probably not much happier right now. Six carries in this game, six yards, one touchdown. Uh, and I believe it was a nine-yard touchdown as well, right? So he had like uh, minus three yards on the rest of his carries. Three targets in this game, one catch. So he was he was healthy in practice. He was not on the final injury report, still barely used. So I'm not sure what we can look for going forward unless it's Dan Campbell saying, ah, he's healthy and I'm going to actually make sure he gets the ball this week. Yeah. I mean, there's just no explanation. We said last week, he's probably a flex, you know, going forward. It's probably the same kind of thing. Six carries two two targets, you know, in a game against, against the bears, we thought the running backs would have been involved more, you know, Jamal Williams is still doing his thing. You know, maybe Swift has to have like an emotional, you know, huddle in the in the preseason where he's crying because ever since Jamal Williams did that they've just but coaches love Jamal he's always been uh, uh kind of a more than expected in every backfield that, that he's been in so um Jamal Williams is still a flex option he's been kind of a great piece for these uh zero or hero RB teams that, that have been able to start him so I think you keep flexing Jamal Williams until until further notice 
yeah, the team wants to run the ball. He's had double digit carries in every single game. He's had 15 plus carries in all but three games so far this year. So he remains somebody you don't you don't feel awesome about using, and especially with not a ton of receiving work. But he's gotten there more often than he hasn't this year. So it, he's been a nice addition to teams. Amon Ross St. Brown got whatever he wanted in that game yesterday. 42.3% of team targets, 52.6% of receptions. 50.4% of receiving yards, 10 catches, 119 yards on 11 targets in that game. Basically everything that Jared Goff threw went to Amon Ross St. Brown. That's not out of line with what's happened to him before. It's just kind of the fruition of what we've been expecting based on his role when he's been healthy. Yeah, exactly. It's been a couple of weeks coming. He was hurt and this and that. And then finally got it. Yeah. He gets his target share. Gets back. And it's so interesting. You get situations like DeAndre Swift, like no one can figure it out. Like, why isn't Swift getting the ball? And then they're, and then the opposite end, like they're, they're so creative with them on raw. He lines up in the backfield. He ran a little out route out of the backfield and, and they caught the blitz and, you know, no one could keep up with him and on that route. And they're just, they're super creative with him. And so they're trying to get the ball in his, his, his hands and, and, you know, losing Hawkinson there was even better for him. So yeah, he's just, he's going to continue to get, massive targets on a team that's not very good and and so uh good good for him he'll be fine as long as he's healthy he'll be he'll be a wide wide receiver you know low-end wide receiver one moving forward on the other side we talked about the Detroit running backs but now we got to talk about the best running back in the league and that's Justin Fields two straight games over 140 yards on the ground two touchdowns rushing I mean the guy is just he's finally getting used the way that we hoped that he would and he is absolutely delivering on it. And he even threw a couple of touchdowns, both to Cole Komet in this one, who has five touchdown catches now over the past three games, by the way. I know. That's just crazy. He's just, that, 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 that's it. It's always the touchdowns, right? No, no, no yards for Cole Komet. But yeah, Fields is, you know, QB one. Now, I will say he's not, you know, he's the second best running back in the league behind Josh Allen. I will, I will throw that out there. But, but yeah, Fields, he only, he only goes 12 of 20, 60% fine. 167 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, but they're, they're rushing. That's what we've been talking. 147 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And they're not like, you know, some of them are designed, which is what we like to see. Like we wanted this last year for him, all this design running, but some of them are just, he's moving around in the pocket and then he just makes three guys miss and he's, he's, he's gone, you know? So uh, this is huge for fantasy. Um, he's a, he's a top three fantasy quarterback moving, moving forward with, with Mahomes and Allen um and so yeah i mean your fields was on waivers a month ago maybe six, six weeks ago and and now he's on some of my best fantasy teams <laughs> yeah and he's got a not great schedule the rest of the way he's got atlanta this coming week so that's obviously a great matchup for everybody except justin herbert after that the schedule doesn't look great but i mean he's gonna have to have a bad outing before i can knock him outside the top 12 any any week well not only that but it's much easier to scheme rushing for for a quarterback that isn't like a great passer. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you can scheme carries, you can scheme up. Like he's going to get his, his, his rushing yards. He's not afraid to run. They want, they, they want him to run. So, and rushing yards are so much more valuable to a quarterback than they are anywhere else. So, I mean, he rushes for 60 yards is like his floor. Now that's 120 passing yards in, in most leagues. So, you know, unless he, even if he has a dud, you're still going to roll him out there the next week, unless he's, unless he's injured. I mean, and then the, the, the interesting part too, is, you know, they play the lions, which is the worst defense, in the league, Claypool gets two targets. Mooney gets four targets. I mean, that's not a great sign for those guys because you thought if they were going to get off in any game, it was going to be this one. 
Yeah, Mooney was at least efficient, caught all four of his targets. Cole Komet, though, now has seven and six targets the past two games. Granted, both of those against very good matchups for tight end scoring on the year. But like I said, Atlanta's up next, so we should at least be able to use Cole Komet in week 11, and then we'll see about things beyond that. All told, the Bears players are delivering now more than you expected from them a few weeks ago. Justin Fields has, is looking good in what the team's asking him to do. Uh, it's been a nice turnaround after the offense looked like we might not be able to use any pieces of it through the season. Right. And speaking of usable pieces, I think, you know, Montgomery is going to be more usable going forward here. He had even going into the game, uh, he was getting uh, two out of every three drives to Herbert. But now Herbert has a hip injury. Again, something that I can't identify with. So uh, hip injury there, that could be nothing. It could be uh, Jamar Chase out for four, for four to six weeks. You know, we'll find out. Uh, and then after, obviously, uh, the injury to Herbert, Montgomery saw everything. He, he's peaked this year at around 75% touches um, for, for, for the backfield. So, you know, if you've been holding on to him and kind of been struggling along with him, he might, uh, if there, if there is an injury moving forward, he might be someone you can certainly uh, be, be confident in starting at least. Mm-hmm. Chiefs 27, Jaguars 17, Juju Smith-Schuster's injury worth talking about here. Suffered a concussion, uh, not his first one. If you search Juju Smith-Schuster injury history, you will come up with his record of injuries on Draft Sharks. And there are quite a few of them, notably in this case, this is his fourth concussion since he entered the league. We'll see whether that impacts how long he's going to be out, but it certainly doesn't help his case for returning quickly. And of course, if Juju's out, maybe it continues to give opportunity for Kadarius Tony, who was involved yesterday and scored a touchdown. Yeah, that's going to be interesting moving forward. Um, hate to see that for Juju. For, fourth concussion, it was a it was a horrific one too. Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of him. I was going to say Jerry Judy, same same freaking thing. Uh, minus the concussion, we'll get but yeah, we'll get to him. A lot of a lot of wonderful first quarter injuries to my receivers <laughs> yesterday, but. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see. What we're, I mean, Tony looks awesome, right? Tony's probably like, if you're just talking about talent why he's probably the most talented receiver on the roster. Um, so for, he, he was a little bit more, more involved. Um, what his one touchdown is wide open. I was a blown coverage. Like he's just like standing in the flats and just nobody covers him. So he, he, I mean, he even ran in with one leg. That's how, that's how good of a, of a, of a, of a touchdown it was. That's how open he was. Um, but, but he wasn't on the field much still. I know people have been talking about, oh, well, you know, Juju gets hurt early in the first quarter and his, his, um, he still wasn't on the field much. A lot of times it's just game plan dependent. Like they didn't plan on, you know, he's not necessarily going to slide right in at outside receiver for, for Juju, not having really played that role all week during practice or something like that. But, you know, going into this week, if we still have Hardman out, if we still have Juju out another week in the offense for Tony, I could see them getting him involved more as far of a, as far as of, um, a volume of, of, of pass of passes go, go going his way, but he just looks electric with the ball, breaking tackles, all that, all that type stuff. So, uh, you know, from a excitement fantasy standpoint, I really hope that they, that they do get, get him involved because, um, because he could be a serious problem. Yeah. There'll certainly be upside to Tony, any game going forward. And especially um, if either or both of those guys remains out, it's certainly worth noting that with Nicole Hardman inactive for this game and Juju leaving early, Tony still finished third in routes among Chiefs wideouts, ran 17 versus uh, 34 for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 29 for Justin Watson. So I would bet on him getting more targets than Justin Watson week to week going forward, but that's at least you know worth noting for likely variability in the way that he's used. 
Isaiah Pacheco dominated the groundwork for the Chiefs yesterday. 16 of the team's 17 running back rushes, 82 yards on the ground, 5.1 per rush. And really, I would say that this was the first game that was not against a tough run defense since they moved Pacheco into the starting role. So I'm not saying expect this level of work weekly going forward, but we at least finally got to see that the Chiefs are willing to let Pacheco lead on the ground. And at least as importantly, we saw Clyde edwards Lair barely involved at all. Four total snaps. Yeah, wild. That's um, kind of been heading that heading that way, right? I think there were, there were only 17 carries in the backfield, I think, in this game. And he, Pacheco had 16 of them. Um, just double-checking there. Yep. Uh, so, well, if you count Michael Burton. But, uh, but yeah, so... It's um, it's interesting. It's and Pacheco looks good too, right? I mean, he's he look he looks explosive, and and generally that's how it works in those in those in those offenses, right? Like they don't run as much, and so then when they do, it kind of opens up some gaping holes for them. So, uh, so yeah, it'd be nice to see Pacheco. But just it'd be nice to just can we just make one of these running backs inactive for these games, like instead of like so we can confidently start. You know, guys like guys Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, eighty yards and sixteen yards is great. Again, he doesn't. He didn't get the end zone here, but, uh, but yeah, that he's, he's the guy to start moving forward. We can safely move CEH to, to the bench. Yeah. To me here, we use Pacheco in non PPR. We use Jarek McKinnon in PPR team high, eight targets in this game against Jacksonville second straight game with eight targets and six catches and CEH. They don't want to use him clearly. I mean, they certainly could have used him in any way that they wanted to in this game and not damage. They beat the Jaguars by 10 points, but they didn't want to. So we'll look at Pacheco, we'll look at McKinnon. We don't really know yet what the team's going to do near the goal line. We only had one red zone carry. It was Isaiah Pacheco in this game from the 15 yard line to the six that set up the Kadarius Tony touchdown catch. There were no other rushing attempts in the red zone. So We'll see exactly what the usage is going to look like um, down there for the backfield. On the Jaguars' side, nothing revelatory, I don't think, um, or revelatory, you might want to say, <laughs> uh, other than that they apparently don't care about throwing the ball to Travis Etienne. Three targets for him, tied for fifth on the team in a game where uh, Trevor Lawrence threw 40 times, so just 7.5% target share for Etienne. Yeah, he did have a great, a nice, long catch and run on one of those. Yeah, it's interesting. They're kind of spreading it around. I mean, Kirk, Kirk was the guy. Uh, Kirk's been the guy the last couple weeks. He kind of had a lull there and then for, for two or three weeks, but uh, back to wide receiver four with two, two touchdowns uh, and they're targeting him around the end zone, which is where maybe you want to see ETN targeted a little bit more, but um, yeah, Lawrence Q, QB five, finally uh, gets up there with two, two touchdowns, 20 plus rushing yards again. Um, and our boy, you know, Evan Ingram just gets it, you know, Coming off the back injury, they're you know he but he practiced in full kind of at the end of the week, and they're, oh maybe it's just another week of where whenever he's coming off an injury, you don't really want to start him. But he had a touchdown ca- called back. He got because t- the O line is so so good. Like how does that like he gets a touchdown called back because the offensive lineman drives a D lineman into the end zone <laughs> and they call him for ineligible man down downfield. Like are you? kidding me uh brutal because that was well, a moron then because you shouldn't be run blocking <laughs> on a pass play <laughs> i guess i mean i don't know it's just you dominate another man so badly that they, they call you for ineligible downfield how embarrassing is that to the defensive lineman oh my gosh but um <laughs> it probably feels great he's like oh, i'll take getting pushed on my butt if it stops <laughs> a touchdown from happening um but yeah that would have saved Ing- ingram's day but um only I think only five or six fantasy points for Ingram, but he's been fine for us all year. He's still a, a borderline to tight end one. 
Yeah, and it's obviously disappointing, but it's worth noting that his playing time was there. He ran four fewer routes than Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, who tied for the league, and he tied for the team lead, and he was in third in that category. So it wasn't limited um, for the amount of time he was on the field by the back. So, you know, we'll consider that not a factor going forward. They now have a bye in week 11, so he'll be even healthier when they return in week 12. He'll be okay, you know, if not somebody that we can count on for numbers um, week to week. You mentioned Christian Kirk. Zay Jones got 10 targets. Nobody else on the team got more than four looks. So Zay Jones has been a a solid, like, low wide receiver three-level play for us. Not sure how high the ceiling goes. Obviously, the the hope is that he scores a touchdown in any given game, but we'll just take this volume and the short-range targets as we move forward. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and and they're they're, they're spreading the ball around, so – um, they kind they kind of have to. I mean, Kirk's been been great this year, but he, I wouldn't consider him like some alpha receiver that 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 you have to get the ball to a bunch. Mm. Dolphins thirty nine, Browns seventeen. Not surprising that Jacoby Brissett can't hang in a shootout. What I'm surprised by here, Adam, is Amari Cooper only getting three targets in a game where Brissett throws thirty five passes and they lose by twenty two. Like I don't, I can't comprehend how that happens. It's just one of those things that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Peoples Jones has been kind of a wide receiver three the last couple the last couple weeks. I just don't get it. I mean, this happens a lot of times with not a lot of times, but this can happen with receivers, right? Where for some reason they're they're bracketed and they're and they're taking like this. This has happened. Devonte Adams last week one target in the second half. Stephon Diggs last week like two targets in the second half. Like that, they just take they try to take receivers out of the game. It's a lot easier to take receivers out of the game than is running backs. So. I'm assuming something like that just just happened, but I wouldn't. I'd still be starting them going forward. But you know, you, a, a game against the Dolphins and maybe a shootout. You're hoping that's it, it. Just sucks. Yeah, he at least did have a big game in Week Eight, uh, the last previous time out on the field. This is his third game among the past four, though, with four catches or fewer. So you know, maybe there's a slight buy window on Amari Cooper before. Deshaun Watson gets back there at Buffalo in week 11. They're home for Tampa in week 12. And then week 13 is the first game where Deshaun Watson could play. So certainly Cooper is somebody I'm using. I think it's somebody you can consider buying depending on how um, Amari Cooper holders right now feel about him. Donovan Peoples-Jones, as you mentioned, he's been producing five catches for 99 yards in this one. Team high nine targets. That makes six straight games for DPJ with four-plus receptions. He's had 70-plus receiving yards in five of those six games, including each of the past four weeks. And if that that's like the level where we need him, where you can just play him as a wide receiver three and see what happens. Four catches, 70 yards. That's 11 PPR points. It's not huge, but that's like wide receiver 41 right now for the season. So if you're starting that out as your floor and then anything above that, is nice for a guy that you took in round 15 or you grabbed off waivers recently. Yeah. He's been a great, you know, late round best ball pick and Watson coming back. Absolutely. I mean, he's been a wide receiver three, the last couple weeks. And so, I mean, you probably, the thing is you probably weren't starting him like the injuries and bye weeks. Maybe you got a chance to slide him into a lineup, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly worth, worth a look. Because with the Cooper inconsistency, I mean, Cooper's been like that his whole career. It's just been like three or four monster games in a season that kind of carries his whole fantasy out, outlook. But, but yeah, people's Jones is obviously worth owning, and, and, and he's a wide receiver three, especially with, with Watson coming back. Yeah, and there's certainly room for both him and Cooper to be fine uh, within that stretch where DPJ has been delivering for us. We've certainly had some good Cooper games as well, and with yep. Watson coming back, that should only increase 
Um, elsewhere, we had a touchdown from Harrison Bryant there. You know, still not a huge receiving day, but nice if we used him. David Njoku, not back yet. We'll see if he's in the mix for week 11. On the Miami side, apparently Mike McDaniel likes Jeff Wilson Jr. better than Raheem Mostert because we got 42 Wilson snaps versus 19 for Mostert in this one. That's a shift from last week, which was basically an even split, 28-26 in Wilson's favor in that one. Both guys scored touchdowns, so if you have Mostert, the silver lining is the offense is really good, and there's a chance that both of them can deliver fantasy points in the same game, but uh, Wilson's the guy, it looks like. Yeah, Wilson took over the backfield everywhere except for the two-minute offense. You know, he's a he's a running back too moving forward in an explosive offense under Mike McDaniel. And so yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> Jeff Wilson's the poster boy for never drop a running back ever because there's always there's always something that can happen where you can get traded or whatever. Um not anymore. Trade deadline's over. But uh, but yeah, I mean there's always now they have played you know, they played three of the worst defenses the last three weeks, Lions, Bears, Browns, but fine. I mean, everyone's going to play bad, bad defenses, and they've been capitalizing. So, um, you know, not much to say about Tua, Waddle, and Tyreek. I mean, they're they're all doing their thing, and so you're obviously going to be starting them week in and week out. But the question was, this Dolphins backfield, what do we do? And it, I think the answer is the answer's Wilson, but we also said last, you know, last week or two weeks ago that Mostert's a, a flex option too because – uh, the offense is so, 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 so explosive and they still like him and he's still okay in the offense. So um, yeah, it's kind of exciting to be able to have pieces of this, this Dolphins team. Yeah. He certainly looked like more of a flex option last week though, than he did yesterday. Cause if the split's going to be like that, I'm not going to sure. bet on Mostert. Um, Scoring out most of the time. Yeah. They, they get a week 11 by, and then after that's a game against Houston at home. So that should be a spot where we can use both Dolphins running backs. After that, a much tougher matchup with San Francisco, and then it kind of evens out the rest of the way. It's another positive rushing matchup against the Chargers in week 14. Then we got Bills, Packers, Patriots to close things out. Both guys belong on rosters. Jeff Wilson Jr. looks like the guy to use. Yeah, re- re- revenge game against the Niners for everybody. <laughs> That's right. It is the fourth best remaining running back schedule, according to our strength of schedule page. If you head up to Intel and then click on strength of schedule. You can check that by position and Miami's fourth best in running back. And we'll talk about the quarterback strength of schedule for another team coming up. But before we wrap up with the Dolphins, Mike Gusecki has now played less than 50% of the snaps in three straight games. So we highlighted him when things were going well. That was short-lived. He's back to being somebody that's not Cole Komet. You couldn't wait. You couldn't wait for to talk <laughs> about Mike Gusecki out of 50%. Yeah, I mean, he's it's, it's one of those, you know, he's – been a touchdown or bust guy kind of for, for a while now. So, um, you know, again, he, but he's still in the mix of eight to nine tight ends after maybe the top six that you're, that you can mix and match and you can make kind of an excuse for any of them. Uh, not this one. <laughs> Unless Durham Smythe goes down again. Cause that was the thing that coincided. He showed up during Durham Smythe's injury. And even then it was two games of seven targets. He scored, in two of three games, but there's only those two games of more than four targets all season. So there's been a lot more bad Mike Gusecki than good Mike Gusecki this year. I just hate Durham Smythe because he looks like Mike Gusecki and they have like a very similar number. Mm-hmm. So every time you're rooting for it's like, oh, oh it's freaking Smythe. Well, here's, there's a very easy way to tell them apart. If the guy is seen blocking at all, then it's not Mike Gusecki. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Giants 24, Texans 16. Actually, I should say Saquon Barkley 24, Texans yes. 16. We did get a couple of passing scores in this one, but Saquon Barkley ran 35 times versus 17 Daniel Jones pass attempts. So even the passing success was just by the grace of Saquon Barkley in this game. And really, that's the case against Wandale Robinson. Whenever somebody asks me, hey, is Wandale Robinson going to break out the rest of the way? No, because the Giants don't want anybody in the passing game to break out the rest of the way. They want to pass it as little as they can. They want to ride Saquon Barkley. They want to not pay him as much as he probably should be looking for on a contract extension. And they want to win games like this. Yeah, they're gonna uh they're not gonna re-sign Saquon Barkley, so they're just running him into into oblivion. We can we stop with the 35 carries though? Like that needs to stop now. He's never gonna last. He's like the only player left on my fantasy teams that like I wanted to draft. Everybody else is hurt. Every nobody else wants to play football. Saquon's all I have left. So if we could just get him, you know, six targets instead of one and 20, 20 carries instead of 35. That would be much, much helpful. Yeah, but like, like you said, it was Saquon Barkley. Like they had to ask him, "Hey, is, is, is it okay if we if we pass the ball? Like, go take a seat for a play so we can throw it." Jones saves his day with two touchdowns, one of them to Slayton for for forty nine yards. You know, I was happy about that because you know a lot of us were in a, a pinch this week with the bye weeks and the injuries. Like, what do you do with Stafford? What do you do with Kyler Murray? All these guys. So Jones was a guy I had to throw in my lineup and saved it with two, two touchdowns. So, but like, like you said, they, they want to run the ball with Saquon. They want to run the ball with Jones, Daniel Jones. Like they don't want him throwing either. So, uh, but yeah, no, he was Jones was fine in the day, but it was all about Saquon. I'm just happy to see him get out of the game healthy. And clearly Kenny Galladay was right to say that he doesn't have anything left to prove to coaches because he returned. He uh, assumed his perch fourth among wide receivers in playing time. And that's what life is for him now. He apparently he doesn't care. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I just I hate when I even see reports. I'm like, who's Kenny Galladay? Like, why are we even talking about him anymore? On the Texan side, things same as usual. Um, Brandon Cooks did return, but he trailed Nico Collins in playing time and targets. To be fair, Brandon Cooks did have a fourth quarter touchdown catch nullified by a holding penalty. So his fantasy day would have been better. But if he's going to settle in short of Nico Collins in playing time and even just be even with Nico Collins and targets going forward, it's going to be tough to like Cooks as a wide receiver three. Yeah, it's tough to start Cooks. The offense stinks. Uh, the only kind of guy that you, the only guy you're looking to start here is Pierce. You know, he's got the two minute offense. He's got, the, he's getting much more in the passing game. Now he's really good. Um, I'm going to be excited to watch Pierce, hopefully in the near future on a good team, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's great. He's an RB low end RB one go going forward. Yeah. Unfortunately he gets Washington next week. Number two in rushing DVOA according to football outsiders. But I mean, we're going to be starting him in nearly all cases anyway. Right. Steelers 20 Saints 10 in a game that nobody should have watched. Happy Jalen Warren breakout week, by the way, Adam. We <laughs> saw him uh, not break out, actually. Matched Najee Harris in routes, uh, led Najee Harris in targets. Three of those caught all three for 40 yards. But Najee Harris had a season-high 20 carries, season-high 99 yards on the ground. Season best, 4.95 yards per carry. So uh, this is what Jalen Warren breakout looks like, and this is why the excitement should have been much more muted. Yeah, I mean... 
yeah, this is what you get when you got when you got the coach the Steelers have. He's he wants one back, and he's just the only reason he's talking about Jalen Warren is because people keep bringing it up. <laughs> like, like he wouldn't like come out and just start talking all about him if people didn't say, "Hey, when is it Jalen Warren week? Is it Jalen Warren week?" Not that it's not w- w- warranted. I mean, Jalen Warren is better than than Najee Harris, but you know, Najee still whatever who scored nine fantasy points didn't get stuffed at the, at the goal line. Like, isn't involved in the passing game really. So. You know, you're starting Najee because probably because you drafted him in the first or second round, and because there's all these injuries and in bye weeks, and he he got he gets the touches when he's in there. But yeah, I mean, he looked a little bit better. Maybe he's a little healthier coming off the bye, you know. But being stuffed at the goal line there cr- crushes his day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's still a bad situation for everybody involved. We did have a rushing touchdown from Kenny Pickett in this game, which made him a top twelve fantasy quarterback heading into Monday night. So that's. That shows what Kenny Pickett can do rushing-wise. It also shows what kind of week it was for fantasy quarterbacks. Um, and I, I don't think there was anything for us to really take away from the wide receiver usage. We got George Pickens like on the field more. We got the slot split between Steven Sims and Gunnar Olszewski. And we just got more of like the unexciting Pittsburgh passing that barely keeps Deontay Johnson and George Pickens relevant. Right. I mean, it was nice to see it kind of be more narrowed into them. I mean, it was it, Pickens getting the Claypool carries is kind of not, I mean, he scored an eight yard touchdown run. So that makes him fantasy relevant there. Had had, had two carries on the day. So that's, you know, people might look at that. Ah, oh, it's not much, but you know, if he's getting two carries a game, you know, it, it, generally they're going to be in big spots like down by the goal line. It's nice to see him get that. Cause I think Pickens is certainly startable going forward. Deontay Johnson still hasn't scored yet this year. I don't think so. That's a problem with the offense. And so I don't know, man, that's just, it's, it's Steelers need a competent quarterback to, to, to unlock this thing. And uh, unfortunately it is not Kenny Pickett. They need quite a bit. So we'll see where things <laughs> go. They've got a bunch of guys that are like, yeah, you can use them if you need to. Let's hope that you don't need to, but in a lot of cases you need to on the other side of this one, Andy Dalton stunk again, 174 yards passing one touchdown, two picks Juwan Johnson was his most frequent target with seven, caught the only touchdown pass for the team. And they're wasting Alvin Kamara, who had 45 total yards in this game. Yeah, I mean, Dalton's, I'm okay with Dalton if he stinks and is throwing the ball where it needs to go and is, you know, two interceptions, 300 passing yards, fine. But when you're not throwing the ball to Kamara, when you're not getting the passing yards to the receivers, you know, when Olave is third on the team with five targets, you know, Kamara, four targets, eight carries. I mean, the offense just, and that's without it. And Taysom Hill isn't even involved and they're, and, and these guys aren't, aren't doing anything in these games. So I just think it's inconsistency. Uh, I'd love to see a quarterback change because at least Winston is going to, is going to sling the ball around uh, Juwan Johnson, 25, like you said, 25% target share, tight end four in the week, another receiving touchdown. I have a league where I've got him and Pitts, and I, I'm just going to do it this week. I'm going to put in Juwan Johnson so that I can change the look on Pitts. Pitts is guaranteed to go for 200 actual receiving yards, not, not not air yards, as soon as I make that swap. So, Juwan Johnson, welcome to the start of the starting lineup. <laughs> All right, big week. Uh, <laughs> they do have the Rams coming up, so not a much better situation for overall offensive success. The, the Steelers did get T.J. Watt back yesterday. They got a lot of other injuries, though. It's It has not been 
a terrific defense, but the pass rush was there yesterday. I would not be surprised if we see Jameis Winston step in and why not? I mean, if you're going to get two interceptions anyway, right. you might as well take the guy that's going to sling it downfield and lick his fingers afterward. <laughs> that's right. Eat his fingers. <laughs> The Titans beat the Broncos 17-10 in another game that people should not have been subjected to. Muted offensive production everywhere unless you were Nick Westbrook-Kine. Five catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. Now, this is the same guy who threw the first eight games of this season, had seven total catches, 138 total yards. So not a breakthrough week, just uh, one of those outlier weeks. Traylon Burks did return for this game and actually tied Westbrook Akine in routes. So even though the numbers weren't there for the rookie, that's encouraging. Yeah, that, that is encouraging. I mean, the whole offense, though, is just, I mean, Westbrook Akine, I mean, he scores on a flea flicker. Like, uh, on a fa- he did score in a corner route, uh, which was a beautiful, beautiful throw and throw and catch back corner. Uh, defensive back draped all over him. So that was nice to see. And he had, he had flashes last year a little bit here and there, but you know, he's no one was starting Westbrook Akine. Uh, thank you for best ball. That's why that's what's why we play. But yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no one really on the passing game. You're even thinking about starting um, until think things get going. Uh, Henry RB 28 in the week. This is the, you know, this is the downside for Henry when he's on, when he doesn't really get involved in the passing game, two catches for 14 yards, no touchdowns. So um, Broncos really good defense though. So that wasn't, that this was not expected to be a, uh, a typical, you know, Titans Jaguars or Titans Texans game where he can carry 30 times for 200 yards. So, um, but yeah, you're obviously firing up Henry, but this is just a down week for him. Yeah, yeah it'll happen. Um, Obviously, on the Broncos side, you got to buy Jalen Virgil as quickly as you can. Six-star TD catch in this one. Just in case you're like me and had no idea who this guy was before yesterday, he is an undrafted rookie from Appalachian State who topped out at 24 receptions across five years at App State. (laughs) He accounted for 23% of Russell Wilson's passing yardage yesterday. So if you look at the numbers, the total, it seems like, oh, Russell Wilson came out of the bye and had a solid passing day. He threw like 42 pass attempts in this game. So it was okay. Um, Certainly nothing particularly encouraging. And it's even less encouraging because Jerry Judy came away from it with a left ankle injury. Absolutely brutal. Uh, He walked off the field, but carted to the locker room. He's, you know, has a history of these injuries. Um, This is at least the opposite ankle from the one that he hurt early last season. Thank God good to hear but yeah there's there they were saying after the game it doesn't seem like it's worst case scenario but people were thinking it might be an achilles or something like that so it's not that but it's probably a high ankle sprain <laughs> you know what i mean like uh rapaport said i think right before we started this that the belief is that he strained a muscle in the back of his ankle now i don't really know exactly what, what that, that means in terms of how bad the injury is how long he'll be out he's in for more testing today so we should know more by tonight and certainly okay. you know, a lot more by the start of the practice week, but it's at least like, you know, like you said, it's at least not as bad as it could have been. And we'll see if he's going to be out for a week 11 um, when they have a much better matchup against the Raiders. Yeah, that's, that is good news. Cause I've, I've, I've got a lot of him and, and, and uh, good, good for Judy. And it's also, it's just a lot of times, man, these injuries happen like the first drive. It's like, man, no fantasy points. It's just, just brutal. But, Killer. but anyways, don't go picking up Jalen Virgil. Like you said, he's had a 77, yard score or whatever, whatever it was, uh, the safety fell down. <laughs> like, it's not even like he, he looked great. Like he ran a fly, the corner, let him go. The safety is supposed to peel back and fell. And so he walked in for, for a touchdown. Uh, that's been a lot of Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook. Yikes. There's problems there too. <laughs> There's problems with Westbrook and Wilson. 
Uh, but Russell yeah, West looks probably a better passer at this point. Maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the, the, the Broncos again for the night, they're just a disaster. Cortland Sutton, even with Judy out, couldn't, couldn't get going to get the six for 60 or something like that. Like this offense is shot the eh, dynasty wise. I know this isn't a dynasty podcast, but what are they gonna do with Russell Wilson? Like this offense is just, it's dead and there's, and they're locked into Wilson for years. So this is a problem. I think it depends on what the next coaching staff thinks of Russell Wilson, because I'll be absolutely shocked if Nathaniel Hackett makes it beyond this season and we'll see how much of it's coaching. But uh, you know, last year, Russell Wilson had signs of, you know, concern and it was easy at that point to say, well, yeah, this was following his finger injury. So he struggled coming back from that. I mean, this now is a getting to be a full season thing in new digs with new coaches, with new players around him. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where the team goes from here for now. If Jerry Judy misses time, that'll certainly be good for Cortland Sutton, who did get 11 targets in yesterday's game. Greg Dulcich disappointed in this one against the Tennessee defense. That's been excellent for tight end scoring. He was third behind Sutton and Kendall Hinton in routes though. Didn't get the targets. So we're going to chalk this one up to that stuff happens much better matchup for everybody against the Raiders in week 11. So even though nothing about this offense says you can expect ceiling performances, there should at least be better than there was this week. And to be fair, the Titans have gotten good at defense in recent weeks. So they were losing some key guys to injury this week, but it's still been a good defense overall. Yeah, exactly. Colts 25 Raiders 20 in the next game. Jonathan Taylor, 22 carries 147 yards, including a 66 yard touchdown run where he's finishing it outrunning chasing DBs. So it seems like the ankle is at least good enough that we can comfortably play him. Matt Ryan is also back in the lineup. It shouldn't be surprising, but it was because Jeff Saturday is like, Hey, I'm Jeff Saturday. I'm apparently going to be the new coach. I'm going to stick with Sam Ellinger. And then he gets to Sunday. He's like, nah, so I watched some Sam Ellinger since first I talked to you guys and I decided I might as well go with Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan. Not only like, I think he must've spent his time off rehabbing the shoulder and also learning how to run because he came back looking like Steve Bono and he brought <laughs> Paris Campbell's relevance back nine targets, seven catches for Paris Campbell in this game. He loves Paris Campbell. Good for good for him and good for Paris Campbell. Uh, but, you know, it's nice to see this. I'm so confused by the situation. Like you hired Jeff Saturday on the stream live with us last week, or did they fire Reich? I don't know which one it was. One or the other. Like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan was healthy enough to play. Like we just weren't, we weren't playing him for like, so you're trying to punt the season. Fine. Punt the season. But then you let the new coach come in and start Matt Ryan. Like I'm just so confused as to as to what they're doing there. But good for good for the Colts as a as far as a team on the field pitting him back to, back to nine targets. Paris Campbell not nine targets. That's what that's what we want to see. J- JT back. You know, tw- 22 carries, to two targets. He looked JT looked almost back. He didn't look. Uh, you know, his complete explosive self. But hey. 80% of JT is as good as mo- most guys. So that's all, that's all we care about. We'll take 147 yards and then whatever you can offer beyond that. Correct. Um, yeah. Harris Campbell, three straight Matt Ryan games now with nine plus targets, seven plus catches. So it looks like Paris Campbell's a guy we should start in general next week against Philly um, is a matchup where Indy's probably going to have to throw the ball quite a bit where I would bet on them falling behind. So it could be a spot where we use them. I wouldn't bet on Paris Campbell sitting high in the week 11 rankings maybe somewhere around 
36 to 40. We'll see exactly where, where things sort them out. We do still have four teams on by, so that'll help them. On the other side of this one, the Raiders stink. I mean, they have some talented players. They're not a good team this year. They just are finding ways to lose. Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, at least do not stink. Yeah, they, they they don't stink. They're finding ways to. I mean, this offense is way too good to just not be blowing teams out. It's just I don't know, man. Coaching, right? I mean, we've said it before with this with this team. I'm surprised if McDaniel's lasts into next year as well because I mean they gave him everything he wanted, and so uh, Hunter Hunter Renfro was out. Was is, is that also a hip injury? Is that another another hip so, injury? Yeah. yeah, that's right. These hip injuries are popping up yep, everywhere thanks. this year. But um, Hollins. This was also a really tough passing matchups too. I mean, I think the I think the Colts are the number one pass defense in football. But Devontae Adams did his thing was was awesome. Um, Matt Collins didn't didn't do much, even though um, this was kind of one of his worst games. Even though he, you know he was the technically the wide receiver too going into the game. Uh, Foster Moreau drops a touchdown, which would have been huge for our draft sharks. I mean, for what it's worth, he got smacked oh, away from him by uh, make Bobby a play. Make a play, Foster. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he he's you know four targets is, is isn't gonna cut it there. But but hey, Jacobs was awesome. Adams was awesome. It's 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 nice to see those guys back and rolling again. And Foster Moreau did at least get a touchdown. Caught three balls among four targets. More notably, I think he ran a route on ninety-two and a half percent of dropbacks. So he if he's out there that much going forward, he's gonna generally do better than four targets you know we shouldn't expect top shelf production but that's usable kind of stuff like we we would rather play that most times than even Cole Komet versus the touchdowns that he's been scoring recently yeah with this lineup as far as like the, the way the targets are distributed Foster Moreau I started him a lot of flex spots in these tight end premium leagues he's absolutely mm-hmm. uh worth a flex spot or even a starting t- tight end spot in these t- tight end premium leagues Man, just one more. Oh, that second touchdown would have been sweet. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the thing. By the way, I saw this earlier, but the Leonard Fournette injury is I just a that. hip pointer. So he should be ready to go coming out of the week 11 bye. Um, so don't get too excited about Rashad White. He belongs on rosters, but don't expect him to be a lead back come week 12. Packers 31, Cowboys 28 in OT. And the big news from this one is Christian Watson coming onto the scene. Eight targets. Four catches, 107 yards, three touchdowns. All of those numbers led the Packers in those categories. He doubled his nearest teammate in targets. There's certainly room for Watson to lead Packers wide receivers in targets the rest of the way. At the very least, room for him to battle Alan Lazard on a week-to-week basis. I don't know. Maybe he settles back in behind Lazard, but there's at least, it wouldn't be shocking if he is even with or ahead of Lazard in targets the rest of the way. It looks like a George Pickens, Deontay Johnson kind of situation where Lazard is probably the more reliable guy. Um, and Watson is the explosive guy where if they're even getting close to the same number of targets, you go for the explosive guy because of that explosion. Yeah, I sure. And Watson's obviously worth, worth, worth rostering, but I don't know. It's like a one game. Like he went from like being the laughing stock, horrible, like nobody wants this guy to all of a sudden, you know, oh, he's going to save everyone's season after a three touchdown game, you know, in a, in a crazy comeback against the Cowboys. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, great. Good for him. I don't know how many people started Christian Watson this week, but you know, he still ran less routes than Alan Lazard. And you know, if you're in a 50, 50 timeshare, as far as receivers are concerned, as far as targets with Alan Lazard going forward on a team that struggles to pass the ball, I still wouldn't get too super excited, but certainly worth, worth rostering. 
and uh, definitely smashed on some on some best ball teams this this week. Yeah, I do think though that he's probably George Pickens with a better quarterback at this point. Granted, a team that's not going to throw the ball a ton, and it's it, he's going to let you down most likely at least as much as he works out for you. But I think George Pickens is a good level of expectation because there are plenty of people that have been excited about him. Yes. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones's ankle is apparently fine unless he can just run on one of them because he dominated work here, um, put up a ton of yardage. AJ Dillon was fine, but played about half as much 24 snaps to 45 for Aaron Jones. So, you know, good news. We don't have to worry about Aaron Jones's ankle um, going forward, although much worse rushing matchup with Tennessee. And we'll see if there's any missed practice for Aaron Jones on the short week. Sometimes the short week turnaround can be tricky for guys who look like they're fine coming off an injury, but you know, from, for now, we come off of this game thinking Aaron Jones is good. Exactly. And the Packers are like, definitely keep a, you know, keep watch over this because the Packers are a team that rests their guys. If there is any hint of an, of an injury or so, something like that. Mm-hmm. Robert Tunyon, by the way, is somebody that you should forget about in general under 60% of routes again, in a shootout type of game where he could have been yeah. used, although they didn't throw the ball a lot. Really, you just play Robert Tunyon if you're expecting the Packers to fall way behind and chase because that's the only scenario where he has had value so far this year. Yeah, I'm still, I mean, third, third on the team in routes run, but you know they only threw to 20 times, so it's not it's not going to help. And Aaron Aaron Rodgers along those lines, QB nine right now with the Monday night game yet to go. That's thanks to those three touchdowns from Christian Watson. He only threw 20 passes in an right. overtime game, completed 14. So the team didn't want him to have that much in terms of fantasy scoring. Um, but he got there because of those touchdowns. He remains a limited, uh, limited upside fantasy quarterback going forward. Uh, correct. <laughs> On the Dallas side, key points, Tony Pollard, Obviously a must start when Zeke Elliott's out. I think he's probably a starter in week 11, even if Zeke returns for that game at Minnesota. You know, a lot of times if we see a player in the situation where Zeke was this week, where they're calling him a game time decision, they're watching him in warmups, then it's a, a, a good indicator that he'll be back next week. Everything that they're saying about Elliott, though, is they want to make sure he's healthy for the rest of the season. They don't want it to turn it into the situation like he had with his knee last year where it just dogged him the rest of the way. So I would expect that even if Elliott's ready to play in week 11, we're not going to get him, you know, reclaiming total rushing control the way he was before he heard it. Yeah. I mean, it's another game that Elliott misses another top 10 performance for Tony Pollard, just lock it in. And when you drafted Pollard, this is what you were hoping for, right? You're hoping for Zeke to miss some games. He gets in there. He's an RB one. Can't miss. Yeah. Listen, they should just keep resting Zeke. Make sure he's a hundred percent. Let him, let him sit out the next four weeks for all, for all I, I care. So uh, Pollard looked, will look great. You know, used him a little bit in the passing game looks explosive. Um, and I just can't believe that they, that the, you know, the way that the Bills blew, blew the game against the Vikings, people are kind of forgetting how the <laughs> the Cowboys had, had this game in hand too. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. CeeDee Lamb, big game. Dalton Schultz, nice game, but not the best game for Dak Prescott. He got there for us fantasy-wise, had the three touchdown passes, QB6 heading into Monday night, but two costly INTs in this one. Not sure there's a whole lot of fantasy takeaway. You're going to have games like that. I guess the takeaway from it is even with that, he still got there for us. So he's a, a pretty good fantasy QB going forward. Yeah, he's fine going forward. Exactly. Um, you know, Dalton Schultz was back. That was good. Good to see. And, and CD lamb finally has a blow up game, right? I mean, 11 for 150 and two. I mean, uh, he's, he's on, he, I have him on, a, on my highest stake team, which was so 
nice to be rooting for him. But then I, you know, you go and you look like, oh, look, I played against him everywhere else. So, <laughs> so awesome. But, uh, but yeah, no, Lamb finally had that signature blow up game this year and um, great 38 fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Anything else from that game? I think that's it. Cardinals 27 Rams 17 no Kyler Murray no Matthew Stafford here target volume still remained for DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore more in particular three straight games of eight plus targets and seven plus catches now he has seen at least eight targets and caught at least six balls in every game this season where he has spent at least half of his time in the slot. So as long as we don't see Cliff Kingsbury make up another reason to move Rondell Moore out of the slot. He should be a good weekly option going forward in PPR leagues. I wonder if Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury secretly like loves the fact that Colt McCoy was getting the ball out on out on time. Like, hey guys, I call a play. He ta- he goes into his drop and throws the ball on time to the, the, the receivers. He's not running around back, back there. A quarterback that can actually see over the line, kind of. Although Colt wasn't Colt, playing Call of Duty this week. Wasn't playing Call of Duty this this week. But but yeah, more tw- twelve targets. Hopkins. Tw- Hopkins for 14 target. That's all we want to see. And of course, AJ Green steals steals a touchdown naturally. So sick. There's no way I thought that was AJ. I'm in my kitchen, hands raised, fist pumping for DeAndre Hopkins touchdown. And my son's like, Dad, that was AJ Green. I'm like, Are you kidding me? He's still around. You got to watch the game from close enough that you can <sighs> see the bouncing dreads at least. That, that's that one's right. on you. I was listen. I was still back from the TV from when Justin Jefferson made the one-handed fourth and a million. Catch and I still hadn't left the kitchen yet. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's AJ Green scores, but yeah, it, they, they get the ball to Hopkins, they get the ball to Ronda or Rondale Moore in the right spots on, on the field, throwing on time. It was good to see those guys because we, I'm sure, we were starting uh, Hopkins ever, everywhere, but it's good to see those guys still still get there. It was good to see James Connor find the end zone yes. a couple times. Meager rushing efficiency. We weren't really expecting a big rushing game here, so we love the two touchdowns. Another challenging matchup for him on the ground against San Francisco next Monday night in Mexico City. But, I mean, I'll take the dominating backfield usage and just deal with the inefficient games as they come. Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> we'll t- we don't even care about it. If this, just give me fantasy points. Like, yeah. especially guys who've been out for like four weeks, like coming back, like, Give us the fantasy points. We got we got some catching up to do. You know, a game in Mexico City. Can we get, you know, Germany, London, Mexico City? Can we get some like Champions League soccer over here? Like we're giving all of our games away. Give us some, give us something back here. We don't want any friendlies. All right. We want we want world class competition soccer coming to America. But sorry, everybody's wedged into <laughs> Cotter right now. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> uh Cooper Cup, by the way, buried the lead from this game. Angle in uh, ankle. Injury. I can't even pronounce it because I'm too distraught. Seems like he's going to miss some time. We're waiting to see the official diagnosis. The last thing is they don't think worst case scenario here, but that doesn't mean a best case scenario either. So it seems like he's probably going to miss multiple games and we'll see exactly what the timeline is. The natural question is who's the guy in his absence? The first answer is nobody because this (laughs) offense has been absolute garbage outside of Cooper cup this year. So nobody's going to be awesome in Cooper cup spot going forward. Now who's going to benefit probably Tyler Higby, eight targets, eight catches, 73 yards against the Cardinals. He's been the most reliable bet for targets and, you know, limited production beyond Cooper cup in this offense. Allen Robinson, probably a better bet for targets going forward. I wouldn't get excited about him, but maybe a little bit more usable than he has been um, usually, 
Ben Skaronic was the next wide receiver in line in yesterday's game. Van Jefferson didn't play until after Cooper Cup left the game. So if you are in a situation where you need one of those guys, those are the guys, but don't get excited about anybody. Yeah, this is so interesting. It's like, you know, you get it's just the tale of two 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 offenses right here. So you have a you have a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy who's back there throwing on time, slinging the ball to the guys that need to get the ball, DeAndre Hopkins, Ron Elmore. Then you've got Cooper Cup with three catches for negative like one yard before he got he got hurt. Like they couldn't doubt they couldn't get anything going with their backup quarterback. To, to Cooper Cup, the offense is completely broken, and and so we're gonna get we're gonna lose Cooper Cup, and we're gonna get Stafford back, and nothing's gonna matter. It's nothing that nothing's gonna change. I mean, yeah, the targets have to go somewhere. You know, you could flip, flip a coin. It could be Skoronic. It could be Robinson. It's probably Hig, Higby, even though he needs to stay in and block because the offensive line is terrible. Like, it's just a mess. Like Robinson, I still have a bunch of Allen Robinson laying, laying around who I'll probably have to start because of all the other injuries, but I don't expect more than six to eight targets and stuff like that. So they're, they're going to spread it around and they're going to be terrible. Yep. Yep. So you might have to use some of them. There might be a couple more targets than usual. Nothing to get excited about. The backfield, also nothing to get excited about. We got Kyron Williams on offense for the first time this season, and he immediately passed Cam Akers because Sean McVay is just looking for somebody to run past Cam Akers in playing time. 16 snaps for Kyron Williams versus 35 for Daryl Henderson. Henderson doubled Williams's pass snaps. So Henderson was on the field a lot more as a receiver, but he saw one target to Williams's three because Sean McVay, for some reasons, like, oh, we got to have Henderson on the field a lot in passing situations. Just make sure you don't throw him the ball. <laughs> the other thing too, it's also hard to like, know when it comes to like who's getting targets and who's doing like when you've got a quarterback, like John Wolford in there, like, you want to really throw the game out as far as that type stuff's concerned. But then you see stuff like with, with, with the Cooper cup where it's just like, you weren't even, you couldn't even get Cooper cup the ball. Like how, you know, we can't, we can't almost can't even trust the, the, the numbers from, from these games. So, I mean, you could really throw it out because there was no Stafford. We'll know a little bit more next week when Stafford's back, but yeah, I mean, Henderson, six, six carries came makers, six carries, Kyron Williams, one carry. No one did much of anything. I think Henderson scored, saved the day if you had to start him, but yeah, this whole offense is just Super Bowl hangover. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. And the rest of the season's been like this. It's like Daryl Henderson's right. on the field a lot in passing situations. So at some point, the targets are coming. I mean, it's we're finishing week ten. The targets are not coming. They don't want to throw them the ball. So yeah. again, nothing to be excited about here. Those are the names that you need to know for whatever level. <laughs> That's right. 49ers 22 Chargers 16 to close things out. The biggest offensive storyline for fantasy here is Elijah Mitchell coming back from IR and immediately beating Christian McCaffrey 18 to 14 in carries beating him in rushing yards. Uh, the 49ers traded a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick in this upcoming NFL draft and a fifth rounder in the one after that. And they did that to get a running back that they immediately put behind Elijah Mitchell in rushing work, which like I thought that Kyle Shanahan was supposed to be the offensive genius. I don't know how much of a role he played in the trade and how much of it was the front office, but I mean, this is goofy usage and it could change next week, but it's very worrisome for Christian McCaffrey for fantasy that this is even a possibility, especially in the first game that Elijah Mitchell's back. I would say that if your trading window is still open in your league, go ahead and, and see if you can get like top shelf compensation for McCaffrey, not 
unload for whatever you can get, but try to trade him as a top shelf commodity now before we get any more games to show that they're going to limit his usage. You know, I don't, I might be on the other, I might be on the, the wrong side of this, but I don't mind them limiting Christian McCaffrey's usage. We want for, for fantasy and for them, they want, they're trying to make a Super Bowl run for fantasy. We want McCaffrey healthy during the playoffs. Now, now Mitchell hasn't played in nine weeks and he actually didn't look bad. I think a lot of those carries, so we out 18 carries to 14 carries. A lot of those were like goal line carries, you know, that was kind of his, his, his turn. Type, type deal. I mean, McCaffrey, 14 carries, five targets. I care more about the targets. Give me all those targets and give me that goal line work that he lost there to Elijah Mitchell. So that like let, that one drive where Mitchell's in there with the goal line, if that's if that's McCaffrey, A, he probably scores, but B, we're not really talking about this whole situation. So maybe they just wanted to see what Elijah Mitchell had there. Um, but, you know, if you give me 15, 16 carries and five, six targets, I think you're going to be okay. I mean, it was running back 11 on the day, you know, I don't know. I'd like to see them moving forward a little bit, how this, how this, this rolls out, but you know, similar with Saquon Barkley, we don't want 30 freaking touches out of these running backs. They're not going to survive. So give me 20 to 22 touches for McCaffrey and I'm, and I'm, and I'm happy. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to give you that RB one weekly upside, but at least you'll have a a rocks on RB one for the rest of the year, rather than him getting hurt. I mean, it seems like uh, splitting hairs or nitpicking, but even if we had 18 McCaffrey carries versus 14 for Elijah Mitchell, I think that'd be different in this game. We had 24 opportunities for McCaffrey versus what would be, what, 16 for Mitchell. I'd be like, all right, I get not running your guy into the ground, but for Mitchell to come back immediately and get more carries, I don't know. Maybe it was, hey, he's the hot hand in this one. Um, you know, you can make sense of it in real football terms for fantasy though. It's definitely worrisome that it's possible for Mitchell to get more carries in a game than McCaffrey. I, like you said, he can certainly be fine on 14 carries a game and six targets a game. But if you can get top shelf compensation, I would, I I'd be willing to do it depending on the package. Again, not saying unload McCaffrey for whatever the best offer is, but if you can get top shelf compensation, I'd be willing. Yeah, the situation I would be terrified is Debo Samuel. That's the situation where it's like, oh my God, everybody's, let's see what this looks like when everyone's healthy. You got Debo Samuel, four, four targets and four carries. By the way, there's another four, four carries going to somebody else. And then you've got, you know, George Kittle with two, two targets. It's like, it's, it, we were saying this going in, like, man, it's going to be tough for all these guys to get, it's exciting for Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> who still only managed, I mean, I don't even know where, where he finishes as quarterback. Rushing touchdown helped him. That's right. Of course. There's another, yeah, that's right. Rushing touchdown. It, it was, it was, just, it was just kind of a, kind of a weird game, but yeah, Jimmy G only finished, even with the rushing touchdown, finished just QB 17 uh, because he needs a couple more weapons. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of a weird, weird game, but Debo would scare me moving forward if he's only getting four targets. I absolutely agree. Actually, Brandon Ayuk beat Debo Samuel in routes, targets, catches, and yards in this game. The last time that Debo beat Ayuk in targets was week five. The last time that he beat Ayuk in catches or yards was week four. So it's still weird, but it's past the point of being weird and well into trend territory. It's a, a worrisome time to be holding Debo Samuel. So I agree. He's somebody else that I would be looking to move right now. You know, certainly there's the chance that the team's like, all right, what are we doing with Debo? Let's get him the ball starting next week. And they turn it around against Arizona. But 
we can't bank on that after that long a stretch of things going in that direction. Well, not only that, like, especially with a quarterback like, like Jimmy G, you know, unless they score 50 points or something like that, like all these guys can't, can't get there. So you're going to have a coach of Kyle Shanahan going into each week is going to figure out, all right, I've got a stud tight end. I've got two good receivers. I have good running backs, a stud, like, who, where is the other team's weakness? And whatever that weakness is, he's going to use those players to attack that weakness, which is great coaching. But when you have a quarterback like G- Jimmy G, you can't, everyone's not really going to hit. So all that to say, like Debo Samuel is going to have his weeks where he goes crazy. I almost feel like what you want to do is like go to something like, you know, the, go on draft sharks where they've got like the rest of the, um, the rest of season rankings, as far as the defenses and figure out like, Hey, whoever they play, what's their weakness. If they're bad against receivers and good against running backs, well, maybe you start your Debo's and again, you're going to probably start these guys anyways, but maybe more for DFS, like attack what the other team isn't good at. Cause I feel like that's probably what Shanahan's going to do moving forward. He doesn't care that George Kittle's amazing. If the T if the tight end defense of the other team is really good, he'll just use Debo Samuel. Well, this coming week at, or not at Arizona, but against Arizona, they should have a defense that's soft against the pass and a little bit tougher against the run. So we'll see if we get any more for Debo there. Um, and then after that, it's New Orleans. After that's Miami. So maybe that's a tight end spot. George Kittle, as you alluded to, very quiet, two targets, one catch in last night's game. Unfortunately, that stuff's going to happen because they want to run the ball and they have a bunch of dudes to get the ball to now. On the other side, Justin Herbert now is coming off four straight games of less than six yards per pass attempt, which is a terrible level for who a guy who should be a star quarterback. And the first two of the, those four games still included Mike Williams being in the lineup. So a bad game against San Francisco. We found out afterward that the team is hoping to get either Mike Williams or Keenan Allen back for week 11, maybe both for that game against the chiefs. We definitely need at least one of those guys back, probably even more so Mike Williams to extend the yardage ceiling for Justin Herbert. Adam, if we do get that, you know, checking that strength of schedule page again, Justin Herbert has the best remaining QB schedule. They already had their buy. So there's still time for him to be a difference maker in this fantasy season. But at the moment, it's getting to the point where it's difficult to trust him as a starter. Yeah, I mean, no one has dealt with more injuries than Justin Herbert in his offense. I mean, Keenan Allen has the worst hamstring injury in the history of the world. Mike Williams is always hurt. He got hurt again this year for multiple weeks. Then you've got Gerald Everett, who gets hurt during during this game, sees, sees two targets. I mean, this offense with Eckler and Everett and Big Mike and Keenan Allen, it can be absolutely explosive. So, you know, this it's almost like a lost first half of the season for Herbert. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if we can get these pieces healthy for the, for, for the playoff run for fantasy, if you're you know still in it with, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen on your, on your team, like there's certainly uh, like you said, with the, with the schedule, this could be a, a, a league winning type offense going into the fantasy playoffs, Kansas city this week at Arizona at Raiders, then Miami after that. So we'll see where we're at after those yeah. four games, but that's a nice stretch. If we can get any healthy chargers receivers back. Absolutely. Speaking of injuries, Gerald Everett, groin injury last night, cost him basically the second half. So we'll see if he's going to be available for that Kansas City game. Um, But that's pretty much all I got from that game. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for this week 10 recap edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can get more details on what happened with all of your key week 10 players in the Shark Bites section. We will be updating our rest of the way rankings throughout today. 
Tomorrow, of course, brings our week 11 projections because it's time then to move on to next week and see who we'll be able to use, who's going to help us and who won't. The rankings will be up by the middle of the day. We will have waiver wire recommendations for whatever format you play. And Three Agent Finder is live for you anytime, ready to display the top waiver options in your specific league as long as you sync it to DraftSharks.com, whether you're looking for help this week, next week, or the rest of the season. So, Bradham Krautwurst and the entire Draft Sharks crew. I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.